You're listening to Think Digital Futures. I'm Josh Nicholas. Okay, so 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I was doing street theatre. I was using stilts. I was using aerial devices. Um, I was kind of using mechanisms, if you like, uh, to produce images. Um, so I would make physical images, build physical images by apparatus, um, and be that mask or be that aerial structures um, or be that an elevated stage with stilts and costumes. So this is David Clarkson. He's the artistic director at a small theatre company here in Sydney. It's called Stalker Theatre. It was a show called Toy Cart. So we built a set that was uh, a large cart that was filled with uh, strange musical instruments. There were two kind of, if you like, slaves that were captured in the cart and they were pulled by three giant uh, stilt walkers who did very robust physicality. That show was a kind of Baroque uh, aesthetic to it. So we placed ourselves um, as if we were circus performers lost in a time machine that was continually uh, r repeating time loops of senility. Um, that processed through the street and then we would stop and we would do quite large shows. That show toured uh, quite extensively in Europe, um, around South America. Uh, so kind of robust uh, street theatre, physical theatre work. This is what David has been doing for most of his working life. David and Stalker practice what's called physical theatre, which is a mixture of dance and acrobatics and aerial movement, all set around and on these beautiful sets and props. They've even dabbled in street theatre. type of people that engage with you are often um, uh, people on the street. Um, and what you do in that, in that moment, uh, whether it's a a political piece you're making or, or just a, a, a pure theatre piece, um, you're often presenting theatre in a context uh, that is quite by surprise or quite unusual. Um, and so I like that element of surprise of being outdoor and the fact that people usually didn't have to pay tickets to see the event. I think that's a huge advantage. Um, disadvantage, uh, aesthetics can be hard to refine. Um, outdoor, sometimes you know there'll be the most beautiful sunset and that'll just frame things nicely or sometimes, and that's great, or sometimes it bucket downs with rain, that's not so good. Um, so you know, pluses and minuses. But in the last couple of years, David and Stalker have been experimenting with something quite different. Rather than big, solid sets and rigs made out of wood and metal, they've started to build digital sets. So my nephew was working uh, in uh, making uh, filmic gaming. Um, he had a, a, a company called, um, a gaming thing called Casebook. Um, and he was using a thing called photogrammetry. And I kind of looked at what he was doing and I saw the parallels between the kind of images he were making and the way he was building them and my own theater practice of mask. And I suddenly saw that the technology that he was using could be incorporated aesthetically in an interesting, creative way into my theatre shows.
show I had made previously uh, to, before we started working with technology, was a piece called Mirror Mirror, which was very image-based, um, and I think it kind of warmed me up for moving into the kind of fluid simulations we were using. Mirror Mirror, we had a water floor, um, and then the first bit of technology we started using was, uh, was using uh, open source um, fluid simulation. Um, and so there was a, a direct aesthetic correlation between the type of things we were using. There's a, it's a very fertile area creatively, this, this link between um, technology and theatre. So what you're listening to here is Stalker Theatre's first real show after they started playing around with digital sets. You're going to have to use your imagination because there isn't any dialogue. To me that was more about creating purely abstract interaction with the performers. So using camera tracking techniques to decide where the performers are moving and then creating um, visual effects based on that. So it might look like particles are shooting out from the performers, but then, uh, as David said, they're actually sort of like they're floating on a fluid plane. So it's like they're stirring water. So it, it was more of an abstract physical theatre dance piece, um, which was kind of exploring our relationship with technology. This is Andrew Bluff. He's the digital designer at Stalker Theatre. So there, there weren't set characters except maybe our own personal journeys through time and digital space, I guess. Um, so in this way, it started off being a more uh, how to augment and sort of display the movements of the performers who were doing these amazing acrobatics and beautiful somersaults and uh, contemporary dance uh, at the same time. And the graphics could sort of exemplify this and expand it out to a giant scale, which was really quite beautiful synergy. It, it kind of reminded me of like the fractals that you, you could, used to be able to see on like Windows Media Player when you were playing a, when you were playing a song. And I was sort of thinking of it kind of like, you know, it was kind of like ripple, when you put your finger in, in a thing of water, the ripples come out and it kind of emphasizes that movement. Mm. So like if we, if we put those two together, it's kind of like there were all these abstract little patterns going on behind the people that was kind of like emphasizing and highlighting what they were doing. Is that, is that sort of the point? That's exactly, I mean, you talk about putting a finger into a, a pond and seeing the ripples. That's exactly what we're doing, but in software. So we're, we're simulating using um, physics techniques, uh, actual fluid dynamics, how water reacts when you put your finger in it. But uh, instead of putting a finger in it, we're putting entire performers into this virtual fluid and we can control the fluid. So a lot of what I'm designing is how thick the fluid is, uh, how many ripples sort of react to a person and then what that actually is drawn like, how that looks. So it might be little dots that kind of are floating in the water or it might be um, kind of abstract lines that sort of create, I don't know how you say it, sort of spiky but quite beautifully moving graphics as well. A lot of it is in fine-tuning the movement reactions to the movement of the performers. sort of goes into 
capturing a person because I think that was what like we, we've all like all, most of us or most of the listeners will have heard of like Xbox Connect like we've probably all come into contact or Magic Leap or some of these things where we're starting to get these are starting to become household items where I can like wave my hand and the computer knows what's happening but how do you like expand that to a huge bigger scale and capture a person on a stage yeah so the Connect is kind of everyone's first um for foray into this kind of world everyone sort of played with one at home and we we initially started playing with it as well in development uh but you soon come to realize that not only is it limited to like a three by three meter sort of square where we're dealing with a large you know up to 20 meter stage in this 10 meter high wall but also the connect works by detecting what it thinks a human should look like so you've all seen people standing in front of a connect waving saying look at me register me kind of thing it it wants to look at that type of person the beauty of what david and his performers are doing is they're hanging upside down five meters up in the air doing somersaults and the connect doesn't expect humans to be able to do these movements <laughs> so it basically just doesn't work um so we it freaks out, it freaks out completely um so, so what we've done is we've made a more uh, open system, which just uses a, a simple infrared camera, and it basically detects any movement that happens in the frame at all. It doesn't try to detect if you're a human or where your arm is or anything. It just sees movement, and then it, it can sort of push that movement into the virtual fluid simulation. The way you talk is like a, as a technologist, right? What is it like, I guess... I don't want to say being creative with technology because that's a lot of people do that. But like, what is it like, I guess, making, I don't know, art or expressing yourself like this through technology? Um, to me, it's a lot of hit and miss and wondrous errors. Um, I kind of just, you'll have an idea of like, okay, we want to to make these shapes of animals and we've, we like the fluid sort of, sort of look that we've used in previous shows. So let's use that. And I'll, I'll make the code to kind of do that in a very basic way. And then I'll deliberately um, put in stupid values into the code so that it will just react in ways that I don't expect it to react. And sometimes those things look actually quite beautiful and wondrous and some things they just look horrible. So it's a lot of kind of trying different things and uh, lucky mistakes and then curating it down to um, you know, the looks that actually work to, to portray the story that you want to portray. That performance we were just talking about is actually from a couple of years ago. More recently, Stalker has been getting even more ambitious. They've gone from something that looks like a Windows screensaver, no offence, Andrew, to a live, moving backdrop. Um, so the, the show itself is a, based on Dot and the Kangaroo, a, a kid's story where the little girl gets lost in the bush. Um, she gets found by a kangaroo and they have adventures and then eventually find their way back to her home. Um, so what we're doing is creating kind of an interactive digital environment that is the, you know, the scenery of the bush and that evokes the Australian landscape. Um, and the action of the, the narrative takes place within that. So... Um, but the idea is that it's not just pretty pictures projected behind the performers, that it's actually interactive and it responds to their movements. This is another Andrew, Andrew Johnston. He's a lecturer in the School of Software at the University of Technology, Sydney. 
So that first performance we were talking about did have interactivity. When the dancers would move their arms, the patterns would move like they were swimming through water. But this new performance, it's more than just a pattern. It's now a really realistic backdrop. How does that evolve from these, like, I'm not going to say basic, but, you know, basic fractals into some of this, like, crazy, you know, where I think, like, in the dot and the kangaroo, like, the the animals are sort of reacting to the person, right? Like, it, mm. it's a lot more sophisticated, I guess. How does that sort of evolution take place? Yeah, so we've evolved it over a series of years. Um, and if you like, what I've got in the computer is let's say 10,000 individual little dots that are floating on top of this water. And as the performers move through it, those dots are pushed around. But what I do is I, I give each one of those dots a little home place. And I say, okay, this little dot here, that's the nose of the rabbit. This little dot here, that's the tip of its, of its ear. This dot here is its whiskers, its feet, and so on, so on, until you get a picture of an entire animal. And those dots want to go back to that spot it's like their little home so the performers will come in and like throw them around and they'll sort of warp out of shape and things but they want to naturally come back kind of like jello yeah i'm making like interactive jello molds yeah (laughs) so that's what's happening on andrew's computer at stalker theater but how does the computer register the performers movements in the first place if I could show you what the camera sees, it would see them lit up like it was midday, so they're really bright, like a, like a photographic flash, I suppose, permanently on. But obviously you don't want that effect for the audience to see because it kills the whole mood of the, of, the, of the production. So to follow the performers on the stage, they use an infrared camera to allow the computer to see what the rest of us can't. So this way we can have infrared is lighting up the scene like it's midday for the cameras that are tracking the movement, but then the stage, and the, but the audience don't see that. Um, and then we have stage lights that create the right mood that the audience does see. That infrared camera is feeding back info into the computer to make the projections interact with the movements of the performers. So if this was just a normal production, You would decide to do Dot and the Kangaroo. Someone would come in and paint a backdrop and you would start rehearsing. But when you have an interactive backdrop, what do you do? How is it different? You sketch ideas with code. So you come in and you say, well, how about this? And you show it to the director and we'll put put performers in front of it and they'll dance with it. You'll observe what they do with it, how they respond to it. You'll talk to them, obviously, you'll talk to the director and we'll think about how it would fit in with the show. Would it fit in at all or does it not fit into the story, you know, that's to be told? Um, and if it's a, if the response is positive, then you'll go away and refine the sketch. Maybe some other ideas will come up as a result of interacting with that sketch and that you'll pursue as well. And you'll sort of say, oh, well, yeah, this bit worked, this bit worked, that bit not so much. So the bit that didn't really seem very effective, you, will do, you won't do more of that. You'll, you'll put more energy into the other stuff and gradually yeah, take these ideas and expand on the good ones and, and let the bad ones wither. We'll all go into the same room together and they'll start doing the choreography, I'll start playing with graphics 
and you know at some stage they'll start riffing off each other so you know the choreography will start and the dancers will start seeing the graphics and responding to that and similarly with the graphics I'll start responding to the the different choreography that they're doing and the movements and slowly come to a middle point where it all kind of works together and you can kind of see rather than seeing the digital graphics in one of these shows as purely a set which is quite easy to see uh, I like to see it as a character because it is responding to the other character and it's got this liveness to it so I think you have to kind of build your shows and your choreography um, and and script and everything based around the fact that there's this extra character in the room and you have to allow them space to shine um, so to me that devising it back and forth back and forth together is really quite key to the process for so long technology's been like the developers in some room at the back of the of the office while the rest of us are all doing something whereas it just seems like developers are increasingly coming into the same room as everyone else and so that's happening here like you you're as much a part of this you're not, you're, not, you're not making it beautiful, it's, it's part of it as well. When you guys are all in a room together, and let, let's say if we talk about Dot and the Kangaroo, like, how does that work? Like, are, you just, are you sitting there with your code while they're practicing on the stage and then something, you'll do something and they'll go, oh wait, that's really cool, can you do that again? And we'll do, is that, is that sort of how it works? That's pretty much exactly how it works. We, um, there are certain uh, restrictions that maybe so to have the projection on you might need the lights off in the room and then side lights and that might be annoying to learn choreography in and things like that so it's not going 24 7 but it, there was kind of a, a during rehearsal I might go away at night code up a few little ideas in the morning design some little graphics and then the afternoon We'll have a play with the projections and the choreography together and uh, similarly the, the choreographer will go and try to come up with some moves that might go to the next scene or something rehearse a little bit and then we'll we'll try it together and we'll see oh this really works or this doesn't and sometimes you know fun accidents do happen it's like i'll have a, a rabbit interactive rabbit up that i'm sort of um or hair i should say because of the the story um that I'm sort of fine-tuning the interactivity of. And just because I'm playing with it, the performers are walking in and out of stage and they're actually interacting with it accidentally. And that kind of, I think that kind of led to kind of the first scene of the show as well, where this interactive hair is, is sort of following the steps of, of Rick, one of the performers. And that kind of came about because the projections were up and the people were there and it started ripping off each other. It's kind of like a jazz improvisation, really, where you're kind of building things on the fly and following your instinct, assembling a theatre piece, which hopefully <laughs> um, is going to mean something to someone. Um, and I think we struck it, I, I, it's not really lucky with, with Dot and the Kangaroo, we put a huge amount of work into it. To me, it is pushing technology towards the stage of, a, of another character, another actor in the play. Uh, and you know there's always even if it's tightly choreographed there's always difference in the way they do it they might react to the crowd slightly different or you know to each other feel things a bit more in one day or something and the technology will be the same and to me it it, it sort of closes the divide between the performers and the traditional set if you will which were two different very two different things now to me they sort of inhabit the same world they're the same thing and there's this ability to then create 
this otherworldly magical space, which is what to do with the story which you're trying to tell. The type of sets that I built or we worked with were moving sets, acrobatic sets. And so in some ways what we've gone from doing is rather than, you know, I built a giant catapult that the dancers played on, now that that set play is coming from digital technology, not from mechanical apparatus. But there is an absolute parallel between playing with the set and playing with the digital set. Actually, I was listening to something David Bowie said about 10 years ago, um, and he was saying how digital technology changes the performer-audience relationship. And I think what we, and I know where I'm getting to now, is the participants slash audience slash performer all start to blur. And it, especially in an immersive environment, everyone is participating in that environment and capable of interacting with that environment. Um, and so what type of theatre event is that? My instinct, you know, I've got more theatre shows to make, but I really want to go down this, this new territory some more. If you can have a room full of people and they're, they're surrounded by, by an environment that is a, a play space, a theatre environment, uh, a simulation, uh, what is it, you know, what is it, I don't know, I know it's an imaginative space, I know it's a play space, I know it's a highly technological space, but but is it a space of, for humanity, and you know, that's where I come in from the theatre point of view, and I want to make it a place for humanity, for the imagination, for, for play, and I think it is, I know it is, how we craft that in theatrical terms, I'm, we're still finding out. You've been listening to Think Digital Futures, stories from the digital age. You can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Think Digital Futures on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you've liked what you've heard, please rate us and leave a review. It really helps us get discovered. This program is a collaboration between UTS and 2SER and was produced by Jake Morecambe. I'm Josh Nicholas. Talk to you next time. Thank you.